This is Sophia Santos. And I'm Megan Elizondo. We're producers of Health Equity from the Frontlines. The upcoming episode was recorded shortly before audio was released of prominent LA City Council leaders making anti-Black, anti-Indigenous, homophobic, and colorist remarks. We at Health Equity from the Frontlines and Ultimate oppose all forms of hate. These attitudes and hateful rhetoric directly contradict our mission and the stories we try to uplift. These events serve as a reminder of the importance of advocacy. Our elected officials are accountable to us and should reflect our values. Coming up, you'll hear more from our guests on ways to stay engaged, especially right now with the midterm elections underway. If you're eligible, voting has already begun in California, and the last day to vote is Tuesday, November 8th. You can learn more at myvotemyhealth.org or mivotomisalud.org. Welcome back to Health Equity from the Frontlines, brought to you by the Ultimate Institute for Health Equity. This is our podcast series where we sit down with doctors, pre-health students, and leaders from the community to learn about their journeys, successes, and struggles advancing health equity. I'm your host, Dr. Roger Liu, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and fellow colleagues from the Ultimate Institute for Health Equity, Dr. Marco Angulo. Let's do this, Roger. Let's go. And Tatiana Alvarez. Hey, team. Excited to do this. First of all, I wanted to talk a little bit about our last podcast that we recorded with uh, oh, Dr. Cesar man. Padilla and Dr. Michael Galvez. Oh, my God. I heard that before I was going to the clinic, and it inspired me all week, all month long. It's been incredible. Well, I, I, I'm hoping Tati had a chance to hear it, but I know that she is fresh off of her wonderful vacation, and I I think that we didn't mess up the last podcast. I'm keeping our fingers crossed that we didn't. Tati, welcome back. Welcome back, Tati. Thank you, team. I think you guys did a wonderful job. Um, I think you represent it for Altamedia, you represent it for our Latinx doctors and, and just kind of the impact and the need for Latino, Latina, Latinx doctors, not only at Altamedia, but throughout the country. So amazing. And thank you for giving it the voice that that needed. Thank you, Tati. We are also glad that you're back. And you're back with us on the podcast. And we're really excited today. We have a really wonderful podcast guest, our Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Civic Engagement here at Ultimed. Now, the topic of civic engagement is very timely with the midterm elections on Tuesday, November 8th. Here in California, we have so many important issues on the ballot, from protecting reproductive freedom to deciding on programs to reduce air pollution. I'm not sure if, you know, Marco and Tati, if your family was anything like mine, but you know, my family is not really involved in politics or voting for a really long time, although I do remember my father being a big fan of Ronald Reagan. And, yeah. you know, I think for me as a, as a first, you know, as for us as first generation Chinese immigrants, I think it had a lot to do with feeling like, you know, we're not truly American yet. Or, you know, we still were feeling like visitors in this country. And I wanted to ask you, Marco and Tati, about your own experiences with you and your families regarding civic engagement and voting. Well, I mean, for me personally, when I, I turned 18, I was so excited that I could vote, right? Yeah. And so that was something huge for me. But uh, as far as my, my parents, you're absolutely right. And and Ronald Reagan does bring <laughs> up happiness when my parents were here because of amnesty, yeah. because that's where a lot of things changed in our family. And, and I think my, my father, when he was here, he always remembers that. So, mm -hmm. but uh, Tati? Tati, how about you? I was also very excited to vote as soon as I turned 18. I was fortunate enough to be like politically active. It was something, a big interest for me in high school because of my teachers. My parents were undocumented. And so I took that to heart and really understood the importance of my voice because 
my vote really meant the vote of, of four or five of my family. And I remember the first time my parents um, did our citizens now. And, and the first time we went to all vote together, wow. it was it was a big wow. deal. And my dad cried. My dad is a proud American yeah. citizen. And so it voting has always been really important. And, and the work that that we do at Altamed and that Berenice leads has an impact because of that, of, of, of the communities that we're representing. So thank you. Uh, Marco, do you want to officially introduce our very special guest today? What an honor. Yeah. Today on our podcast, we are joined by health advocacy champion, Berenice Nunez Constant. Berenice is the senior vice president of government relations and civic engagement at Ultimate Health Services. In her current role, she leads legislative and policy advocacy strategies to advance state initiatives, eliminating disparities in healthcare access and outcomes for Latino and multi-ethnic underserved communities. In fact, Berenice is the one who spearheaded the formation of Altimed Civic Engagement Program, which aims to impact the social determinants of health faced by many of our patients in Los Angeles and Orange Counties and statewide throughout the electoral process. Berenice holds a Master's of Public Health and Management and Policy from UCLA and a Bachelor's Degree in Sociology from Cal State Long Beach. Outside of her work with Altimed, she serves on various boards, coalitions, and committees, including the Latino Coalition for a Healthy Tomorrow, UCLA Latino Policy and Politics Initiative, the CELA Collaborative, the Children's Partnership, and in 2010 was appointed to the State of California Master's Plan on Aging Stakeholder Adv Advisory Committee. I can't even say all that in a sentence. I don't know how you do all of that, Veronese. And I am so fortunate to call you a friend and mentor and that I get to work with you every day. So everyone, let's give a warm round of applause to our guest, Berenice Nunez-Constant. Yay! Yay! I'm so, so excited to be here with you all. You know, some of my favorite people here at Ultimed that really share a lot of the passion that I have for the work. You all shared a little bit about your personal stories and what drives you in this work and like you, I also am a product of, of parents who were undocumented when we were little and was on Medi-Cal and government-sponsored programs and what we used to call food stamps when I was little. And so it is really a privilege now for me to be able to be at the spaces and places that I get to be at and really pull from a real place of real experience and passion. And, and you know, honestly, there's not a lot of me's out there, especially in those places. And that can really say, you know, I actually know what it feels like to yes. have been a patient at Absolutely. a community clinic. I know what it feels like to worry about how we're going to pay rent every month and being a child and growing up with that. And so I get to bring all of that into the advocacy work that I do today in partnership with each and every one of you. Oh, that's great, great to have you. Oh, thank you. I think I just wanted to highlight what, what you just said, Berenice, because this is something that I think Roger and Marco, you both repeat this constantly, the, the professionals, personal, and we'll probably get into that later. But I think this is what's so great about you, Berenice, and this group of, this group of leaders that we get to work with at Altamed, it's this is real for us. This is, was our life. This is this is why it's so important, why we're so passionate and so mission-driven to Altimate's mission to continue going. So I love that. There's no better place for that than than what you just introduced, Tati. Could you talk about that, Berenice? What it means is that, you know, what it drives us, whatever's personal, where we grew up, where we, you know, our experiences, and, and we take it to a, a place of that where we work now. Absolutely. 
You know, I think I think that there was a time in my life where I felt a bit of shame from that, that origin story. But what I see now is that's really our superpower. We're speaking from a real place. And in mm. that, especially in our work, especially yeah. when we're engaging community, you know, doctors talking to their patients, like folks know if you're being authentic and if you're speaking from an authentic place, right? And so I often am out there talking to groups or community members or even in this group when we're having conversations. And I think that one thing that we all share is the authenticity of why we do the work that we do in the authentic place that yes. we're all speaking right. from. And yes. if we didn't have that lived experience, uh -huh. that's not something that you can make up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I think with that, Berenice, why don't you tell us what your, your current role is and a few examples of your day-to-day -day yeah. work that drive that passion, that authenticity, or just in general, gives our audience a little bit more about what you do. Yeah, yeah, sure. So you all shared that I had the privilege of really starting our civic engagement team here at Ultimate. And so, you know, we we started to think about, you know, our roots in social justice as community clinics, right? So we came from this like civil rights movement and social justice is really at the core and why we exist. But on a really practical level, you know, you think about underserved communities, you think about social determinants of health and the complexity of everything that that brings. And community clinics, community health centers are really the natural infrastructure that is already built in these communities where folks are trying to kind of reach the hardest to reach, the most impacted, et cetera. And so as we started to approach this work in civic engagement and we said, you know, I think we really have something really unique and special here. And this is like this 50 plus year relationship with our communities as a trusted messenger. Like the folks that everyone was trying to reach as like, get out the vote or get involved in this social determinants of health issue. They come through our doors every single day, right? And they trust us. And our clinics have also been a very safe space. You know, we take priorities like DACA, for example. When we hear that there are uh, ICE raids going on in our community, like we actually activate around those and we like label our communities as safe spaces, right? And so folks know that regardless of who they are, where they come from, their status, et cetera, that they can come to our clinic and, and feel safe. Then we're like, okay, then let's pivot and let's figure out how we're actually going to start getting them used to hearing about civic engagement issues when they come into through our doors, right? They're there, obviously, to get that direct service and see their doctor. But why not also take it as an opportunity and say, hey, do you know that there's an election coming up? Do you know that we're actually going to be holding a voting center here at Ultimate? And you can not only get your service, but you can also vote here. And if they have any other need as it relates to, you know, I'd like to, I have this issue in my community and I want to connect with my elected official. Like, we want to be able to support them in that. So we really approached it from this place of like building community power and real engagement by an organization that they trust and have seen in the community for a long time. And so now we have a formal civic engagement team here at Ultimate, and we really lead large scale campaign on issues that are important to our community. And that is why I love working here. And that is why I'm going to retire here. I'm telling you right now. I just wanted to say, we always talk about this 80-20 rule. And in our clinics, everybody comes in and thinking like, well, they're only going to see the doctor and that's that's it. What happens in these four walls is 20% of what medicine is or healthcare is. It's the 80% that happens outside, right? That's affecting their whole lives. You're part of that 80%. You're a big part of that 80%. And uh, in order for our, our communities to make sure that 
like you're saying, safe space, make sure they have everything. That's such an important part of it, you know? So thank you for what you do. Absolutely. So in my role, I, I get to lead what we call advocacy and civic engagement efforts. What that means in kind of real life is that we're out there really kind of assessing what the issues are in our communities, what our patients need, what our organization needs, right? And then we're tying that to what is happening in the public policy world. For us, that's like elected officials, holding them accountable, educating them on the issues that are important to us. But also, oftentimes, it it really means we are talking to community and we're actually assessing, okay, what are some of the major issues that are going on in this community and really kind of building up an agenda, what we call a policy agenda or really a campaign around these issues to elevate them to the highest levels. And I am talking all the way up to the California governor's office, sometimes even all the way to Congress and, up, and to the White House level, which we saw in COVID, for example, when nobody was out there doing the vaccinations and when we didn't even have vaccines in our communities, right? Ultimate was the first one that started vaccinating in Southeast Los Angeles, which ended up being the epicenter of the COVID pandemic, right? And so we get to do stuff like that. If you could talk a little bit more, Berenice, about your path that led you to becoming the Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Civic Engagement at Ultimate. Interesting journey in that I'm going to kind of mix it up here because I have the most atypical path to this spot, right? Like I don't have a poli-sci background or bachelor's. I've not like ever worked for, at least not directly for an elected official. What really got me here is really because just based on, you know, being a Medi-Cal beneficiary and how they treated us as a child. Like I remember going to the the hospital that I ultimately ended up working at and I remember how badly they treated us. And I remember thinking at the time, one day, like you guys are going to be sorry because I'm going to work here and I'm not going to do what you all are doing to my mom right now. And that actually was my first job in healthcare at the radiology department, checking patients in. And I was like 19 years old at the time. And very, very quickly, I was like, you know, this lady that's talking to me right now, she reminds me of my abuelita. That's my tia over there. Why are you treating my tío that way, right? This was a hospital that was in a community of 80 plus percent Latinos, right? Yet I was the only person that spoke Spanish, mm-hmm. right? So I became like the resident translator. And then I was like, oh, this lady, she just got diagnosed with breast cancer, for example, but she's uninsured. Oh, let me go talk to the oncology group across the street. And they're like, oh, we have this program called the Komen Fund. And then here I found myself helping these folks get enrolled into the Komen Fund or running to the Medi-Cal enrollment kind of eligibility department and saying, no, senora, you know, you you actually can enroll for Medi-Cal. Like we can get you covered under these services. And so that was me, like at 19, 20 years old, running around this hospital. And then, you know, I was trying to figure it out back then. I thought I would be an ultrasound tech, by the way. And now that I look back, I put in enough years uh, on education that I could have been a doctor. Um, yes. But I said, you know, I was going through school and, and re- it really wasn't my thing. And what I really started noticing is that I really kind of had a knack for the healthcare administration. And in that, you know, really advocating for the patients that are like my familia, right? That it is a really personal vested interest. And so 
Then I went from there to a, a health plan called Molina Healthcare because I was in city of Long Beach and I was always like very pro-Latina and Latinx. But I also knew our doctors at the radiology department were complaining about the low reimbursement rates, how they didn't pay anything. And so I was like, well, let me go learn this other side. Um, that resulted in like a 10-year trajectory for me where I started as a coordinator. And by the time that I left, I was an associate vice president of government contracts. And so I really learned like the Medicaid managed care, right? And so for me, it was all healthcare administration. I also had the opportunity to establish like our Latino affairs and advocacy team. I took a little bit of a one-year hiatus during grad school at UCLA. You guys mentioned Go Bruins. And I actually did a fellowship as well during my time with Molina. I was awarded a fellowship with the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute back in 2010, right after the Affordable Care Act had just passed. And so I got to work as a fellow at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services in the Office of Healthcare Reform, that which, by the way, had the primary oversight site responsibility for implementation of the Affordable Care Act for our nation. Wow. Like for our nation, wow. right? So wow. it was like controls. It was like ground Amazing. zero for the Affordable Care Act implementation. But like you mentioned, Roger, you know, you go to D.C. and you think it's the Hill, right? It's the politicians. And so the second half of the fellowship, I transitioned to the Senate Finance Committee. It's the most powerful committee in Washington, D.C. They have jurisdiction over all of Medicare, Medicaid, and tax. But I interviewed, got the spot, and then they couldn't even remember once they selected me as a fellow that the last time they had wow. a Latina or Latino working at the committee, right? And wow. so cool. these were the kind of spaces that I was facing. And so took all that experience, came back to Molina Healthcare for a while. Um, but when I actually was like, you know, I really want to do this work in like a real way, I was always kind of watching the world of my health policy area and advocacy. And I was always really jealous of the folks at Ultimate. But they took the positions that I wanted to, <laughs> our organization to take. They were out there really focused on Latino and multi-ethnic communities, like solely and primarily. And I said, you know, when it was time, if there was anywhere where I could go, like I would want to go to Ultimate. And so the stars aligned and I came over in 2017 and here yeah. I am five years yeah. later. Benny said, it sounds to me like you kind of did all the on the job training, like you got in, you got your foot in the door and you just learn. But it seemed like you always kept your focus on your mission. So regardless of where you were, you were collecting information to eventually put it at a place like Ultimate. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I didn't think at the time because you can never see it, right? Like that is by design. Yes, yes. But yeah, absolutely. I think that what I did right in that trajectory is, again, not the typical trajectory to get to a position like mm -hmm. mine. But what I did right the whole time is I stayed true to myself and who I was. I could not not say something. Like when I saw these inequities, I didn't back down to the doctors. I didn't know any better. Part of it was that I was like naive, right? Like <laughs> I didn't know that I needed to be intimidated by the doctors that I worked for because I never had that example in my life. So I just saw them as the doctors yes. that read the films in the radiology department and everybody was really intimidated by them. But I was mm -hmm. not. Part of it was like I crossed boundaries that I didn't know existed because I never I didn't know any better. Right. But. Now that I think back, I'm like, well, if I would have, I feel like, yes, part of it is an advantage because you kind of have a path in front of you and you can see it. But I think part of it is a disadvantage because then it's kind of limiting in a way. Like I, I used to say that if I ever make it to a director, right, like I made it, like I can retire. 
that happened when I was 33. And so I was like, what? Like, I have so much more to do. Like, I almost broke my own glass ceiling, right? Like in my, <laughs> in my head, because I was like, man, I really have some, some big dreaming to do. So once that happened, it was really a moment for me that it's like, if I'm here now at this point in my life, obviously I'm doing something right. I got to dream like the biggest dreams ever. And so once I got out of my own way, that's what has led me to the positions that I have been able to really earn through that experience. That is so touching. And I had the same thought as you, Berenice, at one point. I'm just going to be a manager, that's it, or a director. And that was my goal. And, and I'm already there and similar age to what you're talking about. So it's it's life changing and breaking our own glass ceiling. But also kind of the fact that you didn't know allowed for you not to have to meet that status quo and really really create that change for the patients. And you were doing case management and connecting them to services before we even knew what that was. And that's the key there, I think. And and what drives us as family. That's my Theo. That's my mom. That's my abuelita. How would I want them to be treated? And the importance is that you were on the ground floor, you know, from the very beginning. So you know how everything was yeah. operating. You know, not only the ground floor, but now you know everywhere else, yeah. you know, and, and where we need to go. So Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. One of the significant initiatives you helped lead here at Ultimate includes the My Vote, My Health campaign. Berenice, can you talk a little bit about it and why it's so important to our communities? Absolutely. So My Vote, My Health, Mi Voto, Mi Salud, right? Because we always have to translate everything. Cultural competency is important. Um, is our campaign to engage our patients and community members in the communities that we serve to get involved not only in voting, but also just the civic engagement process. And that really is not only inclusive of uh, voters, but it can be non-voters as well, folks who are not eligible because everyone can be an advocate. You have invited the perfect person here to talk to you a little <laughs> bit more about this campaign, Lizette Escobedo. She is my partner in good here on the front lines, on the advocacy fight. Really enjoy just working with her. But, you know, she is a civic engagement leader and uh, really, and we really do share the commitment to the communities that we come from. And so, again, another one of our superpowers, but I'm so happy to kind of be in the trenches with a, a, a woman, a mujer, a leader like Lizette Escobedo. I want to officially welcome our Associate Vice President of Government Relations and Civic Engagement, Lizette Escobedo. Lizette is here to take a deeper dive into the My Vote, My Health campaign, as well as shed light on how our listeners can participate in the civic engagement process. Dr. Angulo, can you do the honors? Of course. Lisette received her bachelor's degree in communications and ethnic studies from UC San Diego. Since then, she has dedicated her career mobilizing and empowering communities to ensure wow. they have a voice in the de democratic process. Her leadership experience on social and political issue campaigns include immigration advocacy, civic engagement, Latino get out the vote efforts, and environmental justice. Lisette, we are so honored to have you join us. Welcome. Yay. Woo! Thank you for inviting me. I feel very humbled and honored. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. So, Lisette, can you tell us a little about yourself and what led you to this career and working for at Ultimate? Sure. So, my background is mostly civic engagement and, in many ways, Latino political work. I think I've oh, been man. in this about 15 years 15 now. years. Um, and so I initially wanted to be a newscaster, a journalist. And that's why I studied communications. And when I went to UC San Diego, Latinos were 4% at UCSD. 
And I was only the second Latina in the communications program. And so for me, that was a rude awakening. And as I started exploring a lot of my classes and my courses, a lot of what I was reading about in terms of structural and institutional racism were all connected back to the cities that I had been raised in. I was born and raised in Southeast LA, a little city called Buck Gardens. And it kept coming up in conversation, right? And in books and in courses. And I realized okay, maybe I have to rethink how I use my education, my talents, and how I use my communications degree. And then I kind of had to reflect on my parents' experience of this country and how they had little to no access to institutions and how they worked, right? Because they didn't speak the language, because they didn't have the proper status. My parents are both immigrants from Mexico. And so I realized that something deeper had to change. At the age of 19, I did my first internship at Naleo Educational Fund, which is a national association of Latino elected appointed officials. And that for me was a pivotal moment to realize that that's what I wanted to do. And again, the structural and institutional barriers kept coming up, even in how I helped my community. And so that's when I decided to kind of dedicate myself fully to civic engagement work. I actually ran for office myself in 2018. I lost by four votes here in my city, but everything came back to that. The institutions, how they were founded, how the government works in funding and decision-making, who we elect, all of that experience and kind of where I come from has solidified specifically, personally, I have to make the institutions work for a community and I have to make sure that their voices are in positions of power and that they're included and seen in that work. So 15 years later, continue to do the work. I I just keep thinking about four votes and how small that is, but yet how lucky that we are that those four votes went the other way because we have you here now. (laughs) Silver lining. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Silver lining. I love hearing your story and thank you for sharing so much of it because it's similar to Berenice's story in the sense of this is not the path we thought we were going to take and it's similar for a lot of us. And, and we saw the injustices to our community and saw the need and wanted to work in these spaces. And we're so lucky to have you here and leading the campaign because both matter. And how do we kind of move forward with that? Absolutely. The formula that I've been trying to figure out throughout most of my career has been, how do we turn out Latinos? There's this general sense that there's just not a desire for Latinos to vote. There's just not a desire that communities of color have to vote. And that's really not the case. There hasn't been proper investment in making sure that they're informed Mm -hmm. and aware of when elections happen, how they work. Is the process designed to include Mm -hmm. them or exclude them? And so part of the work that we're starting to get involved in even now at Ultimate is how do we also look at accessibility and our role in that, right? And that's why we host vote centers. You know, it's not just voting, it's voting rights, it's election administration. It's being aware of the Voting Rights Act implementation broadly. And so it's it's this formula we haven't quite figured out, but it's really cool to be in this space to figure out the role of healthcare to try and figure out a little bit more about the formula and get Latinos in, in our communities to vote. Yeah. And I think part of the issue is that mm-hmm. they think that one way is going to is going to fix it for all of us, for the Latino community or Latinx community, but we're so different. It's not one size fits all. And I know that's kind of been part of the success of My Boat, My Health. And what you're saying is you've met the community where they're at. You've mm-hmm. listened to what their needs are and have adapted it. I know when Better Needs for certain, what it is now, it's completely changed. But why don't you tell us a little bit more about that campaign and how it was developed? There's only so much transformational change that we can make. Right. And so what we've Mm -hmm. really done with our work is look at what are all the points of engagement within our clinics that we can have with patients 
And how do we insert a message of civic engagement within that without disrupting service provision? There's so many opportunities, right? There's a waiting area, there's the front desk, there's the exam rooms, there's the after visit, right? When they go in and they make their next appointment. And that's how we insert that seed of civic engagement. That patient might not register to vote right then and there, but we know with data and national polls and a recent local poll for LA County that came out that amongst the most trusted messengers in Latino communities are doctors, nurses, and teachers. So we know that if they saw it at Ultimate, that's going to stick with them more than if they saw anything at the DMV or the supermarket that they went to. Those touch points are really important. And our community work is very unique in that not a lot of healthcare organizations do the full-on kind of voter engagement work. We're talking, knocking on doors, making phone calls, sending texts. We're doing mailers. Consistency and invitation is going to build participation. And we have consistent communication yeah. with our patients. And so we're building all the tools to make it as easy and accessible for our patients, for our staff, and then to invite community into the process. You can go to Ultimate to get your healthcare. And then part of your continuum of, of care is getting your civic engagement education. You can register to vote at an Ultimate. And then you can go back and vote at an Ultimate clinic during early voting. And so we've really... Again, just tap into this notion of consistency and persistence builds participation. Thank you. That's great. We traditionally end our podcast with a question for our audience, many of whom are currently training to join all of us here on the front lines. And often feel being a physician is the most impactful way of making a difference, especially in the area of health equity. Can you both talk about how your work in the field of civic engagement has an equal, and I'm going to personally say, if not larger impact? Yeah. in making a positive difference and change in the community. Mm -hmm. say, can I start with you? So I often remind folks, you know, that 80-20 percentage that you mentioned, yes. it's kind of the same for the health system, yes. right? Like maybe 20% docs, 80% folks like us, yes. administrators that are really in the back end, really helping to make sure that the system runs the way that it's intended yes. to, right? And for the folks we intend to reach. And so I've always been kind of a promoter of this side of it as well, just because there's so much impact uh, that you can do. We're in a unique space where we are like these external facing positions, right? Because yes. that, to me, that means that we are having to engage community all the time in these policy issues. And so a lot of positions are not like that, but it really in the day to day. And the role that you're playing, you can, you know, you can make sure the service is getting provided. You can make sure that a patient's yeah. complaint is being addressed and we're fixing an issue. You really need to feel like I'm connected to community and that, that I'm actually doing something yeah. that is a mission oriented thing. And it's not really just for the bottom line yes. and that there is a greater good to the role that I play. Right. So a place like Ultimad is really given me the opportunity to do that, where I can kind of sit right at the nexus of yeah. accomplishing my professional aspirations while working for communities that I come from. I just would say, yes, be a doctor, because I, I often call Dr. Angulo a unicorn, right? Because he's not only a doctor, <laughs> um, and he's, but he's a Latino yeah. and he speaks Spanish, but, you know, an absolutely critical piece. But we are the other complementary side and the health systems doesn't work without folks like us. Yes, absolutely. Lisette, please, any advice again for those out there that are thinking of following in your career path, in your footsteps, what advice would you give them and, you know, kind of anything you would change about your own experience in your career? So this is a, 
a quote that's been used a lot, but I think it really does apply, which is if we're not at the table, we're the main mm -hmm. course. And so I think it's really important to be in positions of power and then empower communities to own their power. All of this really leads to the change that we need to happen in the community to make sure that our communities are healthy. Nothing kind of transformational for Latinos and other communities of color has happened without a fight. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at things like having an excess of chromium plants in Southeast LA, when you look at everything that has happened around water quality in a lot of states in the country, right? When you look at, at major decisions around housing accessibility and affordability, when you look at having green spaces in a particular community, all of that is determined by people in power that sometimes none of us select because we don't go to the ballot box. Yeah. Right. And so all of those social determinants of health that we talked about, we can have a say in by, again, making sure that our communities are empowered, which are now, that they're empowered to hold their elected officials accountable, to go to those public hearing meetings. And so giving them those tools is really part of being healthcare advocates for themselves. For a very long time, a lot of the communities, especially where Ultimate is at, have been seen as communities that just don't participate. So you can kind of do whatever mm -hmm. you want, right? Yeah. And so how do we change that? We build from here on out. Yeah. We get them yes. to participate, but we also get them to run for office. And we also make sure yes. that they're getting appointed into committees. The other piece that I'll say is that you can also be a healthcare professional and serve in these positions of leadership. There's a lot of folks in positions of leadership making decisions on healthcare that have no healthcare background, mm. right, for our yeah. communities. And so, yeah. you know, having physicians, having nurses serve in all of these really areas of power and then inspiring others to own their power. I think is really important. And so I don't think I would change much, even losing my election. I wouldn't change because I learned a lot about how cities function, yes. how they operate, how elections work. Yeah. A lot of elections are built to exclude certain communities mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that's how people win. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it's very eye-opening, but again, I think there's, there's major opportunity to heal our communities yeah. within healthcare, but then also outside of healthcare, making sure that our communities are empowered and and at the table. Wow, thank you. And Lizette, are we going to see you on the ballot again? <laughs> you got four <laughs> votes right here. You got four votes. One, two, three, four. I, I feel like for my own self-help, I don't know. I don't think so. What they, but never say never, they say. Never say never. Throwing her hat in the ring. Throwing her hat in the ring. Quote it, <laughs> record it, stamp it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both so much for your time. Thank you both so much for the wonderful information. You know, I think something that really is, is driven, like a point that I keep thinking about is we uplift each other. And I think that is something really special that as leaders, as people in this field, that we're not competing against each other, but we're the first to support each other. And I think that is such a difference in how we, quote unquote, will create our own table and our own space. Before we, we finish off, Marco, do you have any, any things in Tati, please? I don't want to miss saying that and this podcast is going to come out right before the yes. midterm elections, yes. which are Tuesday, November 8th. So anything, Lizette or Berenice, that we should be telling our audience to make sure to do apart from voting, but how could they get more information yes. or making sure they get educated on when to vote? Yeah. So we like to say that the last day to vote is November 8th. 
because that's election day, right? But we have early voting. Everyone's going to get a ballot in the mail. Fill it out. Mail it back. You don't need a postage. You can also drop it off somewhere. You We're going to have a lot of sites that are open for folks to vote. And folks can get more information on our website, myvotemyhealth.org or mevotomisarilu.org. And for folks who are actually mailing back the ballot and it's election day, as long as you postmark it, by November 8th, you're totally okay. So- and my, my add around that is just really, it's in the title of our campaign, right? Like you vote because it translates to your health. Like it matters. It has a direct impact in your community, your family, your individual health. We consider it to be a social determinant of health and whether or not folks vote, right, really determines a lot of things in our communities. And so the last thing I'll say is come vote at Ultimate, one of our clinics, right? We'll, ha- we'll be having voting centers at our clinics. We're here to support you all. If you have any questions, like Lizette said, myvotemyhealth.org and sign up on our listservs and you'll hear about different opportunities to, you know, come out with us in Canvas and volunteer. And the big part of it is just get involved, right? Get involved, utilize your voice and your feet to get out there in the community to help us knock on doors because it really does make a difference. Thank you, Berenice. Thank you, Lizette. I want to thank our guest, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Civic Engagement, Berenice Nunez-Constant, and Associate Vice President, Lisette Escobedo. Thank you for listening to another episode of Health Equity from the Frontlines, brought to you by the Ultimate Institute for Health Equity. On behalf of our co-hosts, Dr. Marco Angulo and Tatiana Alvarez, this is Dr. Roger Liu reminding everyone, if you ever feel discouraged on your path, to remember these words. It's really important to be in positions of power and then empower communities to own their power. All of this really leads to the change that we need to make sure that our communities are healthy. Stay safe and keep on fighting. We'll see you on the front lines. The Ultimate Institute for Health Equity develops innovative solutions to eliminate unfair and unjust health disparities. Our researchers, grants, and medical education teams use the best evidence to ensure our patients and communities live healthier lives. Health equity means we remove obstacles to health such as poverty, discrimination, and their consequences, including powerlessness and lack of access to good jobs with fair pay, quality education, and housing, safe environments, and healthcare. Thank you for supporting us, and please visit us at ultimate.org.